Welcome in Memphis Grizzly fans and NBA fans all around. This is Elijah Campbell and you are listening to the Grizz and Grind podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Grizz and Grind with Elijah Campbell. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Spanning the Spurs, 305 Culture, Knuck If You Buck, Hashtag Lakers, Blazing the Path, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, and Thunderous Applause. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light podcast. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. We are one day away from NBA action, and we are only 48 hours away at the time of recording from Memphis Grizzly basketball action. Welcome in, everybody, to the Grizz and Grind podcast. I'm your boy, Elijah Campbell, your host today, and along with another boy, friend of the show, friend of the pod, Alex Love, at AC Club Pod on Twitter. Nailed it, Alex. Absolutely nailed it. I mentioned it earlier. It's like Christmas Eve, even though it actually is only like three days from Christmas Eve at the time of recording. But for basketball fans, it's like Christmas Eve, where tomorrow we have the NBA back again, a slightly shortened season, but it all starts tomorrow when the Memphis Grizzlies, your hometown Memphis Grizzlies, will start in just a couple days. How are we feeling tonight? Oh, man, it feels good. You know, we had that, you know, super short off-season period, but, you know, we got a lot, a lot, everyone got a lot of stuff done. We, we saw a lot of guys change teams, get, you know, money straightened out and done. Uh, honestly, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It's such, such a short off-season, too. I mean, the the NBA Finals was, what, 70-something days ago? I mean, I think at the by the time the season starts, it would have been like 73-day off-season. Barely any time to, uh, to even blink before the season comes back, but here we are, and an exciting season. The Memphis Grizzlies, we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll start first with the Memphis Grizzlies offseason. Because it wasn't eventful in free agency at all. I didn't think we really expected a lot out of Memphis Grizzlies no, free agency. Still, you know, still the small market, but a, a lot of, you know, attractive uh, things for this team. You know, for, you know, guys like uh, Jay Crowder last year and Solomon Hill. And, you know, it'll, it you know, continue to be one of those places where um, those aging, you know, stars mm-hmm. can still contribute and play with some good, great young talent, actually. And we talked about it before we came on. There just wasn't a lot of subtractions. I mean, obviously, Crowder traded last year during the season. Anthony Tolliver signed for the rest of the year, had a lot of meaningful minutes. Down the stretch for the Grizzlies, he will not be back. Josh Jackson, who actually had a little bit of a weird, uh, I don't want to say a career revival because it's not like there's a, lar- there's a large market out for Josh Jackson, but I mean, he probably played the best basketball of his career in a Memphis Grizzly uniform. He will no longer be back, but there were some key additions, especially in the draft. We watched the draft together uh, just not too long ago, last month, and the Grizzlies, without having a first-round pick, had one of the more impressive drafts in the NBA, and I think I could I could say that pretty pretty confidently that they had one of the better drafts in the NBA because they addressed their biggest need, and that was shooting. 
three-point shooting, drafting Desmond Bain from TCU, guy you know that I have been really high on. I didn't think the Grizzlies would have an opportunity to draft, and of course they traded up mm-hmm. to be able to get him. I guess it, they got him well, technically the first round, last pick of the first round um, in a swap there, but I mean, an incredible, an incredible deal for the Grizzlies to be able to land Desmond Bain, a guy who I just didn't think would be anywhere near their position at all in the draft, and the guy who's a 40, he was a 44% three-point shooter last season mm-hmm. 44% three point shooter and guy and that's over a three year career or four year career at TCU shot 43% one year he shot 45 and this guy shoots about six a game or shot about six a game last year at TCU so it's not like he's just shooting a couple a game yeah no doubt he oh, desperately you know uh we need uh, Memphis needs some shooting. Uh, you know, Jaw and especially Jaron. You know, at that stretch four can hit that shot. Um, even Valanciunas has shown us that he can do it. But I mean, there's just nothing wrong with today's NBA with adding a shooter. Um, you can never have enough of it. That's the one thing you just can't have enough shooting. Adding at any point on a on a rookie deal is even more fantastic. Um, really, the only other thing that big that happened was getting Mario Hazonia via trade, but. And then shipping him right off, yeah. Now, and then that in that over, trade, yeah. You know, so uh, not a lot, not a lot. I mean, a pretty stagnant two month off season for for these Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Josh Jackson is honestly the only one they let go that is even on a roster right now. Uh, uh, Anthony Tolliver is unsigned, and then John Conchar, John Tate Porter, and Yuta Watanabe. Yeah, uh, walked, but uh, no teams currently. So Conchar's. Uh, Conchar is still there. Uh, John T. Porter, I guess, yeah, uh, is still there. Conchar, I kind of like, I actually like Conchar a lot. Not a lot of NBA players rocking the number 46. I will tell you that. <laughs> they are not. And Conchar is actually pretty decent here in the preseason so far. I've been able to check, um, if you're, I've been able to check those games out for those listening. I mean, there's definitely, you're not going to learn a lot from the preseason. You're, you're, you're just not. You're not going to learn a, a ton about this team in the preseason. No one really does in preseason basketball. You're getting guys out there. Um, who are trying to make the team most, and those are the, that's what the most important minutes on the floor in an NBA preseason game is. There are for guys for the Grizzlies. It is for the guys like John Conchar and Sean McDermott and uh, D'Anthony Melton, the guys who are trying who are trying to prove themselves and get into the rotation this year. It's nice to see John Morant get his legs under him. I mean, he's had a couple highlight reel dunks already, and they already look fantastic in transition, which is something that's the most exciting part about this team is they get out and run. They're one of the ha- fastest paced teams in the NBA and in, in the preseason so far. That's what they did best in all those preseason games whenever they had, I guess, the predominant starters on the floor. Yeah, not not to mention that, but we get to see, you know, this potentially high-flying offense and what is honestly the best collection of those new City Edition jerseys for the Grizzlies. Oh, the, they're sexy. The Vancouver throwback and the Isaac Hayes uh, edition, both of them are absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, we definitely want to talk about that, you know, for a second. Nike... It's been interesting to see, you know, um, once they ditched Adidas and we saw no more jerseys. Oh, those uh, were awful. That's a, an awful era of NBA basketball jerseys that I just I, I hope we never see again. Nike's Nike's been up and down, but they absolutely knocked it out of the park with these Grizzlies ones. Oh, they're fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and they're they were great last year. The, the Vancouver throwbacks last year, and then the Isaac Hayes ones. I definitely this year had to are get beautiful. A John, a John Morant one of the throwbacks from last year. Had to. yeah. Have to. I mean, they're, they're honestly, in terms of the way like the NBA's done a lot of a lot of the city jerseys and a lot of like the retro stuff. There's not been. I am hard pressed to find a team that has done it better than the Memphis Grizzlies. Honestly, in terms of their brand ability, it's been fantastic. They've and really, there's never been a bad Memphis Grizzlies jersey, in my opinion. Yeah. No. Ever. I mean, Vancouver to here, they've they've all been pretty fantastic. Uh, moving. Uh, 
you know, moving cities and, you know, they, ch- they changed up the, the color scheme a little bit over the years. But even, you know, lately, the Mike Conley, Marcus Gasol era, Zebo, and it was just a lot of a lot of blue and just mm-hmm. a minor bit of yellow. They've always they've always kept it kept it good um, as well as well as the team, you know, that they get to open the season up with at home. Uh, a pretty good test against San Antonio. Um to me, they seem like pretty evenly talented teams. They got a few, oh, yeah. a few, a uh, few older veterans um, on that side. Um, you know that have probably been there, and you know you would say would have an edge. But um, you know it's a good test. First game, one out of what is it, seventy two. Seventy two, I think seventy three. Yeah, I want to say. Oh no, I think it is seventy seventy two. Yeah, it's playing seventy two this year. But and so an old an old foe. You know that's what they've become is a, a nice formidable opponent for the Spurs. Those battles in the playoffs uh, as of late. Yeah, and that's, man, that's, and of course, like this past year in the bubble, they had a fantastic duel in their second game, their second, I guess, quote unquote, regular season game in the bubble. I mean, that was the the infamous Dylan Brooks foul game that eventually that uh, DeMar DeRozan won for the Spurs at the free throw line. And there was, that was one of the uh, the key games that kept the, the Grizzlies from being able to be the eight seed instead of the nine seed in that play in game against Portland. And that which, which was huge. I mean, obviously, if you're able to become the eight seed, you have that extra margin for error to lose that game, and then still be able to squeeze in with a win after that in that sudden death winner take all um, game against Portland. But it has been yeah, a, a formidable opponent because I feel like they're very similar in terms of like where they are in the West. I mean, I don't expect either of these teams to necessarily make the playoffs this year because the West is loaded. We talked about that the last time we were on, is that the West is going to be absolutely loaded, and the Spurs, along with the Grizzlies, are teams just trying to figure things out right now. But the Spurs obviously have a lot. They don't have like a lot of top-end talent. I mean, DeMar DeRozan's their biggest, I guess, quote-unquote star, but I don't think he's even like the third or fourth most important player on that team. Yeah, Um I I think the Spurs made that very apparent today by handing out seventy two million over four years for Mr. Derek White. Yeah, and that, Derek White had had uh, well, we want to say a breakout season, but a solid season last year. And the, the backcourt with him and Dejounte Murray isn't bad. I mean, Dejounte Murray is one of the better defensive point guards in basketball. An interesting player. I think a very interesting player. I don't want to say, you know, know, that Pop's just overly, you know, conservative with the kind of players he brings in and keeps there. Because, I mean, you know, no doubt about it, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, and uh, Mono Ginobili were were bona fide superstars. Uh Very humble. They were all drafted there. They, you know, build these. They get these character guys. They don't have, you know, like, you know, the the sex appeal of some of the, you know, Mm -hmm. higher octane offenses because they get guys in there that do their job it's not always pretty but um no those are definitely ones that you know division games that that memphis has definitely got to take a hold of this year if they want to you know contend for that eight spot as we know phoenix got better um yeah minnesota i i at least to me like feels like maybe if they got it you know a few things to fall the right way uh depending Mm -hmm. on you know how Anthony Edwards turns out, how D'Angelo Russell and Cat play together. Uh, you know, full season. A lot of a lot of questions there for that eight seed and all all those teams. You know, especially the Grizzlies should have a shot at that. Oh, absolutely. And then, and of course, the Grizzlies as, as a roster. We, and we can go ahead and even even look at the the roster right now. And I think it, they got deeper. I mean, getting Desmond Bain help. I think that was that addition was the most important one. I also don't want to sleep on the drafting of Xavier Tillman either. I've, Xavier Tillman was one of my favorite players in this draft, and I felt like he was going to be overlooked 
all year long just because he was one of those college basketball players that was there at Michigan State for a while. He's not like one of those sexy one-and-done picks. A guy who took a little bit of time to develop. He has some injury history, which I think is a little, which was a little bit of an issue for some teams coming out, but he might be one of the smartest players that was in this draft. Um, a couple of notes I had on him. I mean, 26.5 PER, insanely efficient in college. 9.2 defensive box plus minus. Led the country by far. And then had a total 12 uh, box plus minus of 12.6, which led the entire country. All college basketball on box plus minus. This guy, the, the advanced metrics love this guy. He's an incredible passer. An, an incredible passer from the high post. An excellent defender. Very cerebral defender. Um, and honestly, and one of my favorite things about him, too, is he's an elite offensive rebounder. He's grabbed over 11% of Michigan State's offense. Offensive rebounds, rather. Um over his career, ever since he was in a Spartan uniform, 11% of misses that uh, Michigan State had fell into the hands of Xavier Tillman, and that is valuable in terms of trying to make up for bad shooting days. And if you're on a team like Memphis Grizzlies that aren't necessarily the best three-point shooting team, you're going to need guys who can get long rebounds, be able to reset the shot clock, and be able to give you second opportunities. And Xavier Tillman was a gem to be able to find that in the second round, the spot where they did. He's incredible. He doesn't miss around the basket either. He's six, he shot 68% at the rim and shot almost 80% field goals on rolls to the basket. So on a screen and roll to the basket, if the ball is in his hands, there's a 79.4% chance it was going in in college. That is incredible. That is an amazing touch for a guy like that, especially since he doesn't come off, like jump off the page at, uh, at you athletically. Um, he's also 66.7% field goal shooting in transition. Something the Grizzlies like to do often. A guy, like I said, who doesn't jump off the page athletically, but can still finish in transition, still be able to at least run the floor well enough to run with a point guard like John Morant is going to be vital. And having a guy like that is going to be vital. I just think the fit was perfect. And I think even though they didn't get any veterans in the offseason, the two guys they got in Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman are perfect fits. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. They, uh, you know, they have jaw and insert two guard, and then you know they're stacking up on big men, and uh, they're mm-hmm. getting, you know, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson, you know, guys that are stretching and, and just really trying to build their team. They drafted to their needs, and, and well, you know, ended up drafting to their needs by getting Bain uh, through the trade, and, mm-hmm. and ended up getting, you know, they had a solid draft. I would, you know. Uh, say they probably had a top 10 draft. I mean, I know it's only two picks a team typically. Yeah, um, and but, their two you know, picks were essentially second round picks basically and mm-hmm. they still got, that's where a lot of the value was in this draft. Tons, yeah. Uh, very uh, bottom heavy, if you will. Yeah, and I thought so. I mean, the, the top of this draft was a lot riskier than it was in a lot of other drafts. There really wasn't a sure thing at the top part of this draft. And honestly, I mean, I've talked about it all offseason, like that one of the best places to be in this draft was later in it just because of the value you're going to get. And a lot of teams are going to overlook a lot of players like a Xavier Tillman or a Desmond Bain, a guy who just got better throughout his entire career. And they got overlooked because of their age. I mean, these guys are four-year college guys. And they got overlooked because... Teams like to, to reach for guys that are 18, 19-year-olds that they think just have really high ceilings and not in take into account the players that these guys are right now. I think Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman can help right now. I think there were some guys that were taken in the top 15 of this draft or the top 16, the lottery positions of this draft that aren't going to help teams right this very second. These two are going to help this team as soon as they come in. And I think that's where the Grizzlies really, really got a lot of value there. Another question to go into the year two. Then the biggest question mark, I think, and I'll ask you what you think your biggest question mark is for this Grizzlies team too. 
Jaron Jackson Jr., obviously recovering from the meniscus injury that he suffered against the Pelicans in the bubble, had sur- had surgery. He's going to miss a little bit of time. I've seen late January, early February. It's hard to speculate because we really don't know how the recovery process is going. And with a surgery like that, it really it varies. Um, I'm no doctor. I don't like to pretend to be one. Um, that is out of my area of expertise. However, it's going it's not it's going to be a second before Jaron Jackson Jr. comes into play. How do you think personally the Grizzlies will be able to handle that going into the season? And what should they at least want to see from other guys to step up to at least be able to fill in for that production they're going to miss. It's a lot of production right there that's going to be missed for a while. Oh, no doubt. They, you know, lost the second best player on their, you know, team. Yeah. Um, they, you know, have, like I said, they were stacked up on big men. They're trying to, you know, find somebody mm-hmm. to fill that spot. And, uh, you know, um, for the time that Clark and Jackson weren't on the floor together, you know, I mean, Brandon Clark's your second guy i mean your second unit guy he is the guy but you know now um flex up into that i'm assuming he's going to be you know covering for for jaron and uh you know so somebody's just basically gonna have to step up that second um that second unit but you know man who knows it could be one of those rookies it could be that's what i just again just like so excited to see like you know what um you know there was there's that's the thing about the grizzlies is they have a decent starting lineup but i mean they just get outdone by other teams just because they're you know a relatively uh you know thin bench but you know those guys Grayson Allen uh Desmond Bain potentially Xavier Tillman they're gonna have to really really mm-hmm. do something just to just to keep that pressure off the starters and just like let you know you know you just they that second unit just can't take a lot in that minus category this year it can't and that's I'm glad you mentioned Grayson Allen just because I mean he started in the last preseason game against the Hawks he's been shooting the three ball a whole lot better. Shout out in Jacksonville 904. Jacksonville made of Grayson Allen, one of the and one of the most infamous players to ever play in co- or in college basketball. And then, I mean, it's not I won't say a journeyman in the NBA, but I mean, I think he's found a decent role here in Memphis to play. Um, I mean, shot the lights out in the game against the Pelicans, the one that unfortunately Jaron Jackson Jr. got injured, and. Like picked up a lot of the slack for that team. If it wasn't for Grayson Allen, that game was a lot uglier than what it ended up being. Grayson Allen honestly shot has played his best basketball. Well, we've seen at that you know, time. We've seen some good minutes from him in the preseason. I know that's not really saying much, but it's funny to see. <laughs> well, that. True, I mean, I, they're minutes though. I mean, if anything, they're minutes. I mean, they're they're preseason minutes, but they're still. I mean, you know, you got Trey Young uh, going. You know, getting upset at great or well, you know, that was yeah, yeah for, for, scuffle, for no little... reason. I mean, I get it, Grayson Allen. Because of his college guys. days is one of one of the Duke guys, one of the more, I guess, punchable faces in college basketball history. But I really don't see where he was in the wrong there. Trey Young really, I guess, kind of got – that's hard to explain. Butter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just like oddly perturbed by Grayson Allen. I, I, I didn't really see what all happened there. I mean, Grayson Allen's the one – I know, Trey Allen – Trey Young, rather, is the one who fouled Grayson Allen hard. I don't know why Trey Young was upset, but – Hey, um, that was bizarre. That was real. That was a really bizarre incident. We've known Grayson Allen to be pesky a time or two, so um, you know. But it's it's interesting to see. You know, still got the still got the personality, but we'll we'll really see. Um, that shot's got to you know that shot's got to fall. Um, three for three, three for three from three point range in the last game against the Hawks mm-hmm. in the preseason. Mm-hmm. You know, he getting his looks, and he he's really gonna have to step it up and uh, and try to be that second guy. Or well, second unit guy um, until until Jaron 
gets back and and you know we're just helping hoping, out with depth yeah just helping out with the depth and and that's just where the Grizzlies really really struggled and um, you know partly would be to you know for a reason that they didn't sneak into that eight spot like you were saying to secure the one game win against the nine which would have been the Blazers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's I mean that's an X factor. He he I mean as much as you want to say you know that he's not that important. I mean he's got to be an X factor at this point. You know starting the season because if I mean the way the Lakers showed us you know this past season I mean the, the bench is is just what, is vital just what could just put you over the top. I mean mm-hmm. the, there was just nobody close to the Lakers. Like I mean I, we all you know thought about it going into the playoffs and they looked good or didn't particularly look good at the beginning of the bubble, but. And they just cruise. shows you the importance of a bit yeah. of, of uh, having depth, and of course, like it's all about having stars. I get it. Having the two best players on the planet, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, definitely helps. But it also helps. They don't win that without without a solidified bench role, and, uh, and having for, guys that solidified roles that were able to use those roles to exploit matchups and really take them over the top from being a team that was just a number one seed in the West to actually winning the NBA title. And if the Grizzlies want to be able to sneak into the playoffs. They're going to have to have a lot of guys that assimilate into those type of roles, what do yeah. you think? And in the small market, you know, they're going to have to do it for cheap. Um, they're going to have to get guys that really want to buy in and understand. And that's really what pushed them, you know, in that, those runs where they, you know, in the playoffs, uh, made what, one, one Western Conference final, right? Or did they just make a second round? Yeah, uh, they, yeah, they made a second, yeah, a Western Conference final. They went yeah. one Western Conference final, and they just had those guys. Zach Randolph, um, you know, was passed around, you know, uh, a little bit, you know, he had he that was, one year yeah. with the Knicks and before coming. Um, that was a redemption stop. The Grizzlies stop was a redemption stop for him. Mark was coming, you know, up. People were still really high on Mike Conley, and they they just they had those guys. And you know, none of those guys mm-hmm. were making, you know, that huge money other than Zebo, uh, you know. And then mm-hmm. Mike Conley ended up getting ended his up later getting on. But um, they just they just need those kind of guys that you got to understand. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of what's going on in New Orleans right now. I mean, New Orleans not the biggest NBA market, but you know they've mm-hmm. re- they've attracted some free agents the past two years and or um, you know made some good moves and it's that's a trend that I definitely want to see um, the Grizzlies follow. Getting the number one pick in Zion's you know pretty helpful, but. And then uh, and the Grizzlies get yeah getting lucked out and getting the and second got, pick and getting and they a job. They're in similar positions. They're very similar positions. And who won Rookie of the Year? Yeah, you know? exactly. So. And Jaw had the the season he did. Also, side note: Grayson Allen shot forty two percent from three in the the preseason. The last three games, he was shooting fifty percent. So that's big. huge. That's big. That's much much needed. We go back to the uh, the Jaron Jackson Jr. thing too, and this is going to be the biggest story for this team to start off the year. I mean, it. Outside of maybe getting Ja Morant in Season 2 to build off of his Rookie of the Year campaign and building off of the success they had and really surprising the NBA world within being a game of the NBA playoffs, and this team was projected to be 14th or last in the Western Conference, really, and surpassing all expectations way too early, being ahead of schedule. This story with Jaron Jackson Jr. not being available to start the season is going to be really hurtful, too. One of the guys that I would like to see in the role and like in the role of helping out because I think Tillman's going to get a lot get some playing time. I think he's going to see the floor a little bit with Jackson out. Brandon Clark's going to start, or at least he should, in that position. And we can get on Brandon Clark later because I think he's the most important non-jaw player. Um, spoiler alert: I was going to ask yeah, I'm going to ask that question later on, but I'll elaborate on that later. But Killian Tilly from Gonzaga, they signed him as an undrafted free agent. This is a guy that can do the floor spacing that. J, uh, Triple J was so good at. 
I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. is honestly one of the more reliable three-point shooters on the team, and he was one of your big men. And that was honestly one of my favorite things about his game is that he does stretch the floor like that. Uh, at, in his last season at Gonzaga, Killian Tilly was a 27.5 PER guy sick in the 60s in both true shooting and effective field goal shooting, both which are in the upper um, upper 2 or 3% of all college prospects last year. A little slow afoot, I guess you could say, but I mean, in terms of doing things on the floor that wins, I mean, he was second in, not second, he was in the elite category in terms of win shares per 40 minutes when he was at Gonzaga in terms of everyone else that was in this draft. Defensively, a little slow, but I mean, the guy's got a sweet three-point shot too. And you saw it at Gonzaga. He's got a good knack for basketball. He's a good passer. I mean, a really smooth player to have. I mean, if he can give you some minutes, that's going to be huge too. But those minutes are going to have to be eaten up by guys off the bench like Tillman and and Tilly. I think those guys are are equally as important. You'll you'll see what you can get out of Jonte Porter going into this year. But, I mean, the the position of, I guess, forward slash center, I mean, is going to have to be taken up by guys that are going to be able to do at least some of the things Jaron Jackson Jr. could do. So those are a couple of names that I feel like they're going to have to be watched uh, going into this year. And it's too, too young ish. I mean, they're both like in their 20s or older college basketball players, but two youngish players in Xavier, uh, Xavier Tillman and Killian Tilly. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, some, some newcomers really, really hoping to make a difference there. And uh, for me, I just, I just, it all ends back at Dylan Brooks. It just does because I'm not going to say he, you know, deserves blame or anything where he was the, you know, the, any kind of single reason that they, you know, lost sometimes. But he had fantastic games at the start of mm-hmm. two years ago, kind of did the same thing, started off hot, just absolutely fell off and hit a The most polarizing ball. player on this team right now, obviously. If he, if he can be that, you know, uh, Jaw is a, you know, solid, um, obviously on the offensive and defensively, he's not a liability. Dylan Brooks did kind of seem like that, you know, you know, which, uh, He's an offensive-minded wing player. I get that. I understand mm-hmm. that. But, um, you know, he's really going to have to take some strides to to kind of be, like, reliable. I mean, you can. he's a good, talented player, but he's got to be more reliable. You, Jaron and Jaw have shown us that, 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 you know, and even Brandon Clark, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. weren't really sure. You know, Dylan Brooks was, you know, a pretty solid at Oregon. He had a lot of, you know, um, it was a the thing? preseason All-American. Uh, at Oregon, he might have been. I yeah, I, I mean, I want to say he was. He well, he was highly touted and 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 arguably thought, the best player on that team that went to the Final Four. Exactly, and so you know they need a lot more from him, and he knows that, and they know that, and they and we've seen the past two years, regardless of what his form looks like, they're uh, you know they're they're making plays for him. Yeah, and and you know they need to, and and you know so we're looking forward to seeing that. I think we're going to see some growth. Um, I just think the more that this team's together, while they can keep it together, keep it, you know, continuity's huge. They can keep it together and keep it, you know, relatively cheap. Uh, They're gonna, you know, they could go a long way. They could be that story that like jump from, you know, um, being a consistent playoff contender, which they which they were for a few years. You know, maybe not to go to the finals, but like somebody you definitely didn't look forward to playing in the playoffs. Yeah, and and that's all you can ask out of this team. I mean, I mean, in a small market, you're not asking to be a contender to win the the NBA title year in year out, but you want to be competitive for playoff spots. You want to be competitive in the playoffs whenever you actually are able to get there. And I think being 
a team like they're they're built right now and having that continuity of bringing everybody back for another year helps with the development too. You saw that in the early days of the Golden State dynasty in like 2012, 2013. I mean, you had two lottery picks that you build your team off of and Clay and Steph. You assimilated roles for them. You built around them. You were able to draft, you know, draft players or get players of free agency that fit the weaknesses of your team and you round things out in form when you're finally getting them all together for a while to be able to have that, that, uh, not just the continuity, but just the the consistency of what's like around them. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's a huge thing too in terms of player confidence, familiarity, and the comfort level. You want your stars to be comfortable. You yeah. want them to be comfortable with players around that fit what they're trying to do. And I think the Grizzlies have done that really well. I think Dylan Brooks is definitely a part of that plan. I mean, the thing and the thing defensively is at least he's the effort's always there. You talked about defensively where he falls short, and a lot of that's fouling. I mean, he he fouls over six times per 100 possessions. If a game goes into 100 possessions and he plays all of them in the NBA game, he's fouling out. That's just how it is. That's because he's aggressive. I mean, too aggressive. And I think that could be coached out of him, or at least you hope it can be coached out of him. Jaron Jackson Jr. the same way, and they fight foul trouble all the time because they make a lot of stupid fouls, and a lot of it's aggressiveness. And I think if you're going to at least commit a lot of fouls, I'd rather you do it because you're overly aggressive instead of being too passive. But that's 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 just one thing, I guess, in terms of team building that that I look at a lot. But yeah. I mean, at least you, that's a guy you're going to want to keep around. I mean, even though he is sometimes he does make you want to pull your hair out. Exhibit A, the Spurs game and the in the bubble. That's I think that's the quintessential game anyone's going to ever point to when you want to see the the floor of Dylan Brooks. There are some games where he shot you into it. The the Bucks game, the game they had to win at the end of the regular season in the bubble to get you in. Dylan Brooks carried the team whenever he wasn't shooting very well. Dylan Brooks had one of his better games in that game to help. Push them past the box. Guarded by Chris Middleton, not necessarily a pushover. Not at all. That's an all NBA uh, second team Chris Middleton to you. And Dylan Brooks was able to get whatever he wanted offensively, and he just got in one of those zones that Dylan Brooks gets into, which makes him, I guess, one of the more polarizing players in, in Memphis Grizzlies history. Consistency is going to be the key with him and them, but you know, as the Warriors, like you alluded to earlier, the Warriors, you got to get uncomfortable before you can get comfortable. Mm-hmm. They were before Steph showed up, they were playing ISO ball with Monte Ellis, and now, and they became one of the like friendliest uh, like passing teams of all time, like one of the you know. Um, just some of the one of the best offenses we've ever seen, and the shooting has a lot to do with that. And I, I don't, you know, the whole league's gonna, uh, you know, is following suit. I mean, the the they started laying it out, yeah. You know? So, you know, getting finding those roles, settling mm-hmm. those roles, getting those you know players together, and keeping them together. I, I just think the more they do that, the higher that ceiling goes. You know. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Here's the important question. I already gave my answer and I'll elaborate later on. Um, after you give yours, if you had to point to one player 
the most important non-Ja Morant Grizzly going into the 2020-2021 season. It is blank. Oof, is that most important as in... I would say vital to their, to their success. success. Yeah. This player has to do well for them to succeed. Yeah. It's Brandon Clark. I agree with you. Yeah. It's Brandon Clark because uh, that's a guy who could start on other teams. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately for him, um, his natural position is that same power forward as, uh, you know, um, Jaron. Well, they could play him together, but uh, he... Not only does he have to fill in for a while Jaron's gone, but he's also going to have to, you know, take back that second unit once Jaron is back. And, um, you know. Play that important bench role. He's going to be playing important minutes on both units. And Mm -hmm. uh, they're, you know, and he's shown us uh, how efficient he can be and how, you know, uh, just a game changer. I mean, Brandon Clark out of, uh, again, Zaga just. The yeah, Gonzaga, sure. the new, the newly formed Gonzaga Pro Basketball Factory. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, and it's, I, I'm looking forward to watch him play. Um, I, th- I think obviously, just you said Jaw side. Jaw's obviously their X factor guy. He's their floor general. But Brandon Clark, uh, Brandon Clark's got to be that guy. I agree with you. I think so too. And it's and a lot of that is because of the Jackson injury and his rehabilitation is going to take enough time to where Clark's going to have to finally see some starting minutes. And this is a guy, Brandon Clark, who I think should have A, received more love for rookie of the year than he did. Also should have gotten more consideration for six man of the year, just because him providing that depth for the Grizzlies last year was able to steal a lot of games. I mean, there are a lot of games in which Brandon Clark seemed like the most, like the best player on the Grizzlies seemed like the best steal in the draft, another guy who drafted at the age of 23 had a lot of teams pass on because they thought he was just too old, not thinking about what you could provide for your team right now. And that's one thing I guess I'm always going to I'm always going to carry that that animosity towards NBA teams that don't draft players because they might be a little older just because they are what they are. I mean, is Brandon Clark going to get exponentially better in the next five, 10 years? No, but I mean, he's already really good right now. He's already going to help your team right now. Why not take him? right now to help your team in this very moment. That's exactly what he's done. I mean, made the made the all-rookie team per 36 minutes last year. Had one of the more than more impressive seasons in the NBA. Per 36 minutes, he's scoring 19 points, almost 10 rebounds, 9.6 rebounds as well, only fouling 2.8 times on the defensive end. I mean, grabbing grab about two and a half offensive rebounds during that time too. And then not to mention the shooting percentages. I mean, the guy shooting percentage-wise is as good as it gets. Uh, true shooting percentage of 66% is pretty is pretty remarkable. Taking and making fantastic shots. Exactly. An effective field goal percentage of 64.2, which is one of the top 10 in the league, has to be. I mean, it was uh, last time I checked, but... I a mean, lot of, you know, a lot of, every, you know, most of North American sports, hey, even soccer, um, it's a lot mm-hmm. of, it's, it's measurables and intangibles and potential, but, uh, um, you know, uh, experience is very important. And, you know, the, you see, you know, there's a lot that Minnesota's hoping goes right with the number one overall pick. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, James Wiseman at number two. We got a, the smallest sample size almost possible. Uh, we've seen him on Hoop Mixtape for years now. And, uh, we're, and around we're here, yeah, now. the Tennesseans, yeah, we've seen, the, we've, we've seen this kid most of his life we've play basketball. Him, but it's absolutely based on his potential. And, mm-hmm. and you know, football, you know, you, there's always those guys. There's guys, that, you know, uh, like D.K. Metcalf who get looked over for things for things like that. Um in football, in soccer, uh, the kids are playing for academies by the age of eight, like because mm-hmm. of their potential. Potential. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, a lot of teams really do that. Uh, it's really rare that the what happened happened to the Grizzlies happens a lot. Is where you have a guy from 
it was dominant in a, just a smaller conference. It didn't really get mm-hmm. the mainstream attention, you know. Other than that tournament, I mean, I mean, they were they were high on John Morant going in to that his senior season, or I'm sorry, or the season he was there, mm-hmm. and uh, or that his last season, excuse me, and uh, and as he had you know Player of the Year written on him, um, even at mm-hmm. even at. Um, State. At Murray State, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had State. star potential there. Yeah, we, 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 that you can see. It's I think you could have Brandon Clark too. It's just that John Morant was what nineteen, and he's a second overall pick. But you know, we mm. you know uh, see these guys break out from these small schools in the league. You know, CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard. You know, both on the same team, stars. Mm-hmm. Um, but neither of them went that high. Neither of them. You know, so so. so what the Grizzlies saw in Jaw, you know, they're confident in that that is the guy going mm-hmm. forward and surrounding him, you know, with with good experienced guys. We saw Jaron Jackson play a lot of basketball, Brandon Clark play a lot of basketball. And um, you know, the experience is is is, you know, probably the reason that other teams, you know, look over him. But um mm-hmm. like you said, and uh they they're really looking for that, you know, winning formula and I, I think I think they're on their way and I'm trying not to be, you know uh Optimistic. To, I mean, I'm trying to be optimistic, but not yeah. be biased at the same time. Right. Exactly. Exactly. With this team, that's the thing. Is like this team has so much potential. The P words get thrown around all the time. The potential this team has for its future prospects. And the, and here's the thing. What's going to help that potential too is Brandon Clark getting these starting minutes. I think these are going to be awesome minutes. Where it's not like he wasn't getting valuable experience earlier last season. He's going to get more valuable experience this season getting thrown into the role where he's going to be relied upon a whole lot to fill that Jaron Jackson Jr. role. He's going to be asked to stretch the floor. And we saw in a couple preseason games, he hit some corner threes. His shot looks fine. And it's it, a lot of it's going in. I mean, I, I, I love the player Brandon Clark is, and I think he could do a good job of filling in for Jaron Jackson Jr. Not only do I think he can do it, I think he needs to if this team wants to be able to stay afloat by the time Triple J comes back. Because if they're, what, seven, eight games out of the playoff race when he returns, you're going to force Jaron Jackson Jr. to be really to have to play his best basketball as soon as he gets back. These and that's mean, a lot to ask in the Western Conference where you're playing teams that are the best teams in pro basketball week in and week out. Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, uh, just th- those top four just playoff staples every year. Yeah. You get down to those Mavericks. bottom four of those teams, yeah. the Mavs are going to be better. And then you just have all those teams that are going to end up fighting for those last probably three spots, uh, six, seven, and eight. You know, your your Timberwolves, your Suns, your Grizzlies, your Pelicans. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the Blazers are going to be the there, Blazers, too. The Rockets yeah. are, are, might take a step back, but they still have – it's a weird team, but that still is a team that – has the potential to still be really good, and that could be a six seed and still be a team that would contend in the East. That's just the cra- that's that's what the West is about. The Western Conference is an absolute monster, and, and uh, yeah, it'll and chew I, you up, know, man. We're 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 slated to see some pretty solid Eastern Conference teams this year. That's another thing. I just think you know a lot of the whole league got better. You got your bottom of the barrels as usual, but you know there's teams that are that are just doing things I like. Um, the Kings, I mean, okay, not not. I mean, they didn't have to pay Hassan Whiteside. But he's there. But Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Frost, you know, some budding stars and everything. Even teams like that who are always, you know, pretty low down there in the West. I mean, you just can't really take anybody for granted night after night in the NBA. But even big picture this year, we're looking at the playoffs. It's it's going to be tough for the Grizzlies. They really have to win those games against those other teams, like the Pelicans and Mm -hmm. the Spurs, who they're going to be playing with the start three to four times, depending on what their what their adjusted uh, division schedule looks like. Um, they're going to be seeing those teams a lot, and they're going to they're going to really have to get it done, you know. Uh, um, 
if they play him three times, you want them to win, you know, two out of those three, and you know, you got you're going to have a winning division percentage, a pretty good one. Um, mm-hmm. So you know that this is they're just really going to have to step up amongst you know this might be. You know some of the best winning percentages we've seen in a long time for teams. I know we got a shortened season, but there's just so many good teams right now. There, oh, there's, uh, and that's that's the best part. I mean, that's the viewing experience. Yeah. yeah, the viewing experience for this Grizzlies team is going to be awesome. Just because, I mean, you're going to be able to watch them against the best night in, night out in the West. It's going to be frustrating for Grizzlies fans. Because you're going to be just outmanned most nights, and that shorthanded, and that's, yeah, you're going to be shorthanded, outgunned most nights. But you're still going to be able to steal games because you have the, one of the most exciting, fun young teams in the National Basketball Association. Also, so another thing they can like, steal games night in, night out. They can steal games just because they they are that exciting. They are that young. There's still just a load of talent, despite not being favored, not going to be favored in a lot of games they play in. It's really nice to have the guy, you know, for you have mm-hmm. John Morant, where more than likely coming down to the last second, you know, it that's going to be his, it's going to be his call, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to pull up or he's going to pass it. But, you know, just to have that guy, you know, um, when the Grizzlies have kind of, you know, they've always had some good guys, but like an absolute closer, it's been kind of tough. The closest, I mean, that I can think of over the probably, you know, 14 years I've really been watching a lot of the Grizzlies, you know, would be probably Rudy Gay, like was the closest thing uh-huh. they had to like that closing presence that, you know, I'm going to either hoist it up or make a play. Uh, you know, Mike mm-hmm. Conley never really had the those grit, shot. The, the, grit, never, the you know. grit and grind teams, I guess, to me, were always more egalitarian than yeah. that. It wasn't just like one guy is the, the predominant superstar. It's I mean, a, I guess Zach Randolph was the face of it, but I mean, I there were a lot of pieces on that team that it felt like a more of a team effort than any Grizzlies team we've ever seen in our lives. But this, absolutely no doubt, this team runs through. John Morant and mm-hmm. uh, um, Jaron is the, you know very important, but um, this is this is Jaws' team, and it, it's cool for Memphis to have that guy. Oh, the um, guy who's going to be a superstar in the league. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, give people reason, give give the NBA reason to schedule them games on national television. Mm-hmm. Give which is know, the biggest thing. Feed that the people the Grizzlies. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. And then, and I mean, even if the Grizzlies are not going to get a lot of national TV games this year, but I mean, this will be if you're out of market, out of the Tennessee market, and you don't get the Grizzlies games locally, that's a reason to invest in League Pass or watch sketchy Reddit streams like we like to do sometimes uh, to be able to watch games out of market because this is a really fun team. You're not going to want to miss them play. And that's my thing. Even if you miss the playoffs, and I really do expect the Grizzlies to miss the playoffs. Uh, it's, it's too hard in the West. It's I definitely think too be hard good. to make a call right now. Why don't you ask me in about 15, 20 games? And I'll, yeah, I'll see, and then, and then we'll be able to put a, more, a better gauge on it. And just because the, the West is wild, man. We, I mean, we never know. My initial feeling is it's going to be really tough. I think it's more likely than not they miss the playoffs. I'd still put it at like 42, 43%, something like that, where it's still almost a toss up depending on how you start the season. Because honestly, the Grizzlies make the playoffs if they didn't start so bad last year. It took them a while to kind of get, to kind of get rolling. With a shorter season this year, you don't have that margin for error. And without Jaron Jackson Jr., you're not going to have that margin for error. Shorter offseason, shorter literally everything. So mm-hmm. um, you're going to have, you're, they're really going to have to prove a point early. Yeah. You know, and doing that without Jaron is definitely going to be a, bit of an uphill challenge it's going to be difficult and before before we head on that we'll go ahead and look at the week ahead um before we we join you again next week wednesday december 23rd we already mentioned it the spurs what do you think the grizzlies are going to have to do against the spurs at home to be able to steal a win and start off one or no oh 
man, they're uh, they're gonna have to control the pace with uh, mm-hmm. the Spurs. Obviously, we know like they know they like to slow it down. You got a slow team and a team that loves to play really fast. So obviously, they're gonna have to have that favorable pace. Um, San, San Antonio's got athletes. Uh, don't get me wrong, but the athleticism I would give the uh, edge to the Grizzlies. Oh, f- so, yeah, for sure. You know, control if if they control the pace and can, uh, you know, get some some good you know looks and good you know good rebounding um don't give up anything easy That's on the boards mm-hmm. um those second chance points were a killer for them last season uh, that they gave up so um i mean with that they should beat the spurs team um they <laughs> they got to be able to cover two guys that like to shoot uh, mid-range jumpers though so you know we're yeah, defensively, defensively, there. defensively they're really gonna have to lock down and once they do i just don't i don't trust the spurs offense as much as i trust the grizzlies offense um Shout, hey, shout out Pop, though. No disrespect. Uh, never. But, oh, no, of course. Yeah. But they're, they're always tip the hat that. to the legend. Yeah. 100%. The, uh, the thing with the Spurs, man, is like we, we talk about how slow that they, they are as a, a team, which, I mean, this is probably the fastest pace Spurs team, and they still only ranked 14th in pace in the league. <laughs> if that tells you anything, I mean, it's, they're not, they're not, they're not beating you in any foot races up and down the floor. Jakob Pertle's not going to be running the floor with, uh, with many. But the uh, the thing with the the Spurs is what killed them against the the Grizzlies last time is not that they shot particularly well in the bubble against the Grizzlies. They just got a lot of rebounds. They bullied the Grizzlies on the boards. And I think the biggest thing for me is if you want to start off one and zero, you're going to have to be able to not let them get second chance points. They're not a fantastic shooting team. Um, I mean, that's in, in Valentine. They don't have like a, a plethora of shooters. I mean, I think them drafting Devin Vassell was one of the greatest things they could have done um, during the season. Three-point three, uh, three point percentage last year, yeah, this team had it pulled up here. Actually, they shot fourth in the league in, in threes, but it's not like they're shooting many of them. That's not that's not their forte. I mean, they're 28th in the league in three-pointers attempted and made a good percentage of them, but, I mean, the shots they miss, you're going to have to be able to rebound because they're one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the NBA. you got to keep them off the boards and keep them from doing what – did you dirty last time? And that's second chance opportunities. Hundred, yeah, absolutely. They, that's that's the thing. The extra opportunities is a big one. Um, the, the size, I, I just feel like um, even with Jaron Jackson, Albert Clark's a little bit, you know, undersized. Uh, I, I suppose um, for no seven footer, but not seven yeah. feet. But uh, you know, Valanciunas really um, offensively. I'm not really worried about Valanciunas. He's kind of Jokic, Nurkic light, if you ask me. You know, he's a pretty decent passer. He yeah. can make a shot if he needs to, but he's not typically excellent up there. rebounder. He's going to be excellent your rebound. Rebounder. He's going to be your rock yes, uh, in absolutely. terms of rebounding. We haven't talked about JV a lot, and which is an, another interesting thing thing too. I don't think he's. I think. The reason he's not as big of a question mark as like what Brandon Clark is, and when we ask the question, who's the most important non-John Morant player, the answer is not We've JV because it. we know who we he know is. He yeah, we know exactly what he is. He's probably the most consistent player on this Grizzlies he's team. He's honestly like the most consistent like third or fourth option on every team, like on the you know on those on any team he's ever been on. Yeah, yeah, he's been that his entire career. I mean, we we know what Jonas Valanciunas is. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to be important, but that's going to be a good you know big matchup, you know to see um guards I, i'm not you know uh, if we're looking at you know uh the guard guard matchup i would give to the grizzlies and, and it plays into that you know uh athletic ability and like that pace of play you know that's big on jaw jaw's 
a lot of the times he's the first one down the court, you know, uh, uh-huh. for his team. And, you know, so they're really going to have to keep up. Yeah, they're yeah. going to have to keep up. And that's that's gonna be a big thing, too. Second game, Saturday, the day after Christmas, and the FedEx Forum, the Atlanta Hawks. Now, mm. two things about this matchup. One, I know it's the preseason. I don't take a lot of account in the preseason, but the games were close. They were interesting. I think both of these teams, I think the Hawks got a whole lot better. They are rising up as well. The Hawks will be an interesting team to see if they steal a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. The proximity of these, of these teams I've always wished was a little more of a rivalry. I mean, these are the only two teams in like what we consider the Southeast United States. I don't count Orlando and Miami being like the South South. Like mm-hmm. these are the two Southern NBA basketball teams. You can maybe count Charlotte, whatever. But like this is, I mean, Atlanta and Memphis are. The soul of uh, I mean, the yeah. south, the south of the United States. Outside of yeah, Nashville. I would uh, like to see yeah, I'd like to see this rivalry actually be something, and I, it would. I mean, as much as an inner conference, uh, as much as it uh, can be. I mean, you only play be. twice a year, but but still. you got two electric point guards um, mm-hmm. that are the future of their franchises. Future of their franchise. You have the Hawks who just got absolutely absolutely better as well. They did a little more flashy moves, you know, getting Danilo, drafting, more veterans, yeah, yeah. getting Danilo, um, and. Bogdanovich, yeah, um, Bogdanovich, a little swoop in on that one, um, but you know, drafting Okungwu as well. Love Okungwu, they're making, man. They're making good moves, him. and yeah, I agree with you. I'd like to see them, you know, kind of get a rivalry going. You know, Kings of the South. You know, who knows if those Florida teams would butt butt heads in that one and make their claim for the South? But uh, I'd love to see it. I, those are two teams definitely trending up. Mm-hmm. Um, the Grizzlies and the Hawks, and it's, that's going to be an interesting matchup. Two games very early on that are going to gauge how this Memphis team can be, and on, honestly, both of those other teams. That's why this year is just so exciting. You just got a lot, you know. There's mm-hmm. going to be your, you know, uh, your Kings Hornets matchups every once in a while, right? Of, uh, <laughs> of your, you know, quote unquote. Um, Purgatory teams, uh, right? Yeah, your perennial eleven seeds or eleven. Yeah, those 11 are, if you asked us, you know. Three years ago, uh-huh. what Hawks and Grizzlies would look like—that's not one. That it would been laughable. It would have been laughable. Yeah, no one's watching this game three years ago, but that's a testament to both of these teams right now and their front Lean offices turnover, and making yeah. things interesting, making themselves fun, young, exciting teams. They're in. The, they're both in similar places right now. The Grizzlies more so because I think they're a little more ahead of schedule than the Hawks are because they at least had a season in which they got close to making the playoffs. But these teams are in similar places. Geographically, they're in similar places, obviously. And there's a little bit of a spice between the Grayson Allen, mm-hmm. Trey Young mix up that we had the other night, which is a little, like I said, a little bizarre. Um, I mean, it, it, it wasn't, like, it wasn't like a dust up in which they're, they're throwing hands, but Trey Young was running that mouth a lot. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, that's, it's, they've been, you said they were, uh, the Grizzlies are ahead of schedule and it's, you know, two different things. You had Trey Young, who absolutely balled out last year on his own, mm-hmm. and they can't do anything. They have a lot of internal questions as to how to fix that. But then you have the Grizzlies, who had a bunch of guys play like phenomenally well, but they're so young, nobody really wanted to take them seriously or give them the credit. Yeah. Um, so they're to see kind it to of in the same that, spot, and you know, they both have some figuring out to do. Um, but. The, as a, yeah, as a, the whole effort, I thought last year that you know the Grizzlies were in the playoff discussion. There was no chance that the Hawks were going to be in the playoff discussion mm-hmm. um, in the East. So I definitely would say the Grizzlies are ahead of schedule. So that, the, I mean, both of those are, are games the Grizzlies should win, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's a good chance they start off two and zero, and both games are at home. 
so you're not having to do any any significant traveling. I do kind of like the Grizzlies to, to start off, too. Now, I think the Spurs game will be a little tougher. I think the Hawks are going to need to figure things out for a little bit. I think if you play the Hawks in a month and a half, it's going to be a lot closer game. I think it's going to be a great game anyway, but I think they're going to get better as the season goes on once that team kind of gets more familiar with each other. But that's, and that's where, even without Jaron Jackson Jr., the fact that they've been able to play games without him last year is a is an advantage for the Grizzlies. I think the Grizz have the advantage in these first two games, but these are games that you at least want to split. I mean, it, it would kind of suck to lose to the Hawks at home, even if you do beat the Spurs, or if you lose a close one to the Spurs, it sucks because that's a game against a conference rival that's in a similar spot as you, that's going to be fighting for that playoff position. They're on the outside looking in the same way you are, so you need to get all the wins against those type of teams that you can. So it, it would it would be a bummer to lose that one obviously not at the end of the world I mean we don't everyone overreact to the first game of the season but it's one you'd like to have and these are two games a great opportunity on the schedule for the Grizzlies to go 2-0 and start the season on the right foot mm, absolutely all starting on Wednesday it is so so close and we look forward to bringing you all the action since that's all the time we have for us here on the initial NBA Memphis Grizzlies preview show here on the Grizz and Grind podcast. Alex, thank you for joining me and uh, about time to start off the season. I'm excited, man. Let's get it going. As always. Um, absolutely, yeah, and we're ready to we're ready to get it started. It's like it never left. That's right. Then tell the homies where we, where we can find you on the, the Twitter sphere. Uh, yes, you can uh, follow me uh, at, at AC underscore club pod on Twitter part of the um, Clubhouse Sports Network also uh, will be in that description on Instagram as well. Um, so, you know, check us out. Give us some listens. Uh, we'd love to have you. It's been a pleasure being on, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. That's right. We'll, we'll do it again mm-hmm. the same time next week. Thank you guys for joining us. My name is Elijah Campbell, and as always, you have been listening to the Grizz in Grind podcast here on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Let's get it. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Grizz and Grind podcast here on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. This is Elijah Campbell saying so long and we hope to have you back again soon for more of the best Grizzlies talk east of the Mississippi. We'll see you around.